American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. In 1963, Harvard Business School professor Malcolm McNair addressed a room full of department store accountants in a downtown Sheraton. Now, while they listened politely to his talk, it's hard to imagine that they really believed him when he told them that the most successful retail institution of the past 100 years, the department store, had finally come to an end. In the past 10 years, McNair said, the traditional department store has been facing two major challenges. First, the problem posed by the trend to suburban living, and second, the problem presented by the meteoric rise of the discounter. Now, the meteoric rise of the discounter, coupled with the rise of suburbanization and the transformation of retail in the late 20th century, and it was the rise of these new discount stores, the most famous of which were all founded in 1962, Walmart, Kmart, Target, that really transformed the late 20th century and brought us the era of the big box store. But in the early 1960s, there were nearly 3,000 discounters that dotted the landscape. The big chain stores had yet to come. And these stores had names like the Big C or the Big M, I guess because capital letters were cheaper. What made these new discounters possible was two things. One, the tremendous success of American manufacturing and its productivity, and also a change in the legal environment. During the New Deal, a law had been put in place that set floors on how low prices could go to support the economy. During the 1950s, these laws were pulled back, first at the federal level with the McGuire Act, which allowed states to enact two-tier systems, and then states themselves rolled back all their laws. By the 1970s, only 12 states had these kinds of price controls anymore on manufactured goods. And so into this regulatory difference, combined with the productivity of manufacturing, came the discounter. Cheap goods changed everything. But it wasn't just about the lower prices that brought shoppers to these new discount stores. The cheapness of the goods meant there was a different way in which they could interact with the clothes. You see, department stores still had a very formal atmosphere where the, the customer couldn't directly interact with the goods. There were many different checkouts around the store. Self-service was relatively limited. These new discounters allowed you to paw over the things before you bought them, to buy whatever you wanted without having to interact with a nosy sales clerk. This allowed people to be more informal. And in fact, whereas people had to dress up, it's hard, almost inconceivable today, but had to dress up to go to the downtown shopping districts, they could actually just wear dungarees or jeans or even, hard to imagine, shorts to shop in these discounters. And the hours are more flexible as well, often extending into the night. And so what customers liked about the store in surveys at the time was not just the low prices, but the new way of shopping. One discounter remarked that his clientele, quote, liked to shop us in a very leisurely way. If a person wants to shop in a department store, they usually cannot walk in in slacks or shorts. In a discount store, you can see all types of people, the slacks, the shorts, the pedal pushers, or even the dungarees. As one discounter said, we're working on breaking down all the traditions. The most important discounter of the early 1960s was Kmart. It was founded by Harry Cunningham, who had worked his way up from a stock boy to be the president of the venerable five and dime chain, Kresge's. In the late 1950s, Kresge's was cash rich, but growth poor. 
and he was looking for a way to keep the company growing. When Kmart opened in 1962, it was unlike anything anyone had ever seen. Whereas most discounters were one-store operations, that's about 60% of the market, Kmart opened with 18 stores, and it just kept growing. It didn't grow just in terms of size, it also grew in terms of intensity. Between 1963 and 1970, per-store sales grew 18 times. This is higher than nearly any other store in America. It was growing exponentially. With deep organizational experience and deep pockets, Kmart was able to strategically expand around the country. They avoided the discounter dense Northeast and instead focused on places like Atlanta and Detroit that had few discount stores. And when they came to a city, they placed a store at five miles around the periphery, encircling a city, like laying siege to it. So this enabled them to have synergy between their advertising and inventory and supply chains. And they used then these new suburban rings as the basis of their strategy, encircling cities and becoming the fastest growing company uh, to, in this area. By 1967, they sold over a billion dollars in goods. But how did Kmart actually decide where to put their stores? The idea was to put it near where people like to shop, like shopping centers or malls. But these shopping centers and malls excluded discounters because they attracted what they thought was a low-income sort of person. But Cunningham turned this exclusion into an opportunity by simply opening stores right across the street from the shopping center with their own parking lot. This is where the big box store comes from, the first freestanding large store in suburbia. information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist, or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm-hmm.